Rolling tape, quiet in the house. This is Rosetta Stone. You wanted the best? Well, they didn't fucking make it. So here's what you get. From an undisclosed location. Anonymous with Mike and John. Yep, right? Got it. We're old enough now. This is probably one of those things that make that would just sound crazy to our kids. But did, did you ever call in and request songs on the radio? Yeah, definitely. We did that a lot. And if you'd hear your voice, mm-hmm. it was a it was a big feeling. It was exciting. And you could try you try to record it on tape. Yep, I'll try to record it on tape. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So one of my first concerts, which would have been ninety two, maybe ninety three, the local rock station had free tickets. That's the only way you could go. Yeah. There were no tickets for sale. <laughs> right. Brother, there's no tickets for sale. So it was <laughs> only one way in. Yeah, you know, only one way in. You know, this is all pre internet. And it was like every night at nine o'clock during the night at nine or whatever, mm-hmm. they'd give away tickets to every other caller. Yeah. Because they had an <laughs> amphitheater's worth of tickets to give away. Yeah. The reason I wanted to go was the headlining act, Dream Theater. Oh, wow. Dream Theater coming out hot off that first record, Images and Words. Wow. Is Dream Theater ever that no. popular? I mean, yeah, no, people... they've become like an institution now. Yeah, but, but at the with time, like music nerds. No, but at the time, they had on Headbangers Ball in 120 minutes that one song, "Pull Me Under," that had like the least amount of wonky solos and weird uh-huh. time signatures. <laughs> yeah, and it was still it's '93, so like they had the wizardry for like the Rush fans, for like the, the heavy progressive prowess. rock kind of. But like, oh, but if you like a girly voice. Yeah. And squealy guitars, because you really miss Poison. Like, here's a Poison you're allowed to like. I'm thinking Man's Poison. Yeah, they're thinking Man's Poison with, like, a poor man's rush. It was a great mix. Yeah. <laughs> but me and a couple of buddies were super into this. This was before I knew you. And so every night, for what felt like weeks, every day going to school, and literally <laughs> hearing about another kid I knew who didn't even like Dream Theater. No, not the way you did. Not the way we did. Getting free tickets because mm. it was the easiest thing in the world. Yeah, like, there's every, so many of these to get rid so of. Many, it's like it was like sixteen thousand seats. Yeah, and so then on the weekends they would do the thing where it's like you know, oh man, we're down at the Kroger on you know Main Street. <laughs> Is that Hulk Hogan? Yeah, hey bro, we're at the uh, Kroger on Main Street, and like, come on down. We got the uh, you know our good friends at uh, whatever Weenie Company. Yeah, I say Weenie Hot Dog Company. But, like they'd have some sponsor, <laughs> anyway. crappy hot dogs in front of the Kroger, mm-hmm. and come on down because we got free tickets that you want so bad. And yeah. I'd be like. Begging my dad's like, you just got to drive us all the way over to this Kroger. Yeah. And be like, look, I'm not spending my Saturday driving all the way to like this other town <laughs> where there may or may not be tickets to some stupid rock concert. Mm-hmm. And so we, I like, we could never get them. I just remember like trying so hard for so long. The way you do when you're a kid, we're like, this will never happen. Yeah. It's like when you have a summer birthday like you and I do and everyone's getting a license. Okay. The That's difference there at least is I know if I wait until my birthday, I will get so my t- license. Here is licenses are just handed out arbitrarily. Right. Yeah. And so... I remember getting, when I finally got through, and just reacting bigger than anyone ever should have reacted. Like, <laughs> yeah. and I imagine they probably had a moment where they're like, maybe we just shouldn't give them the tickets. <laughs> right. Because I was doing this stuff on the air, like, you guys have no idea what this means to me. Like, Dream Theater for life, bro. Like, like, I was just so excited. And it wasn't like you could just hop on Craigslist. Yeah, there was no internet. You couldn't, yeah. Yeah, there this was, was no, this this the only way to get them. Yeah, the only way either to get at a weenie roast or a... Yeah, uh, to go down to a sweet weenie roast at Kroger. Or call the or call in. radio. And it'd be literally the version of that today would be like, retweet or Instagram a photo of you, you know, holding up a piece of paper with our call sign on it or whatever. Yeah. And we will send to your email two tickets to this event. Right. Mm -hmm. So my point is the kids don't know how good they have it. They don't know how good they have it. 
You know the first concert I ever went to was? Let's see if I can guess. Leonard Skinner? Yeah, and the second concert I ever went to? Leonard Skinner? And the third concert I ever went to. Yeah, was it really the first three? Yeah, it was Skinner every time. And, it was and like I, so I don't remember the exact years. I know the Nuge opened one of them. I know that uh, I think Foreigner maybe opened one. That seems about right. And oh, Bad Company definitely opened one of them. Oh, that's hard for Bad Company. That Bad Company sucks, but Free mm-hmm. Paul Rogers' first band is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Still, wow. I love how Bad Company has an album called Bad Company and a song called Bad Company. It's pretty great. I've got it. I've got two words that sound great together, and, and we're going to use them everywhere you can. Yeah, we're done. The first whole thing is done. Mm-hmm. The name done the mm-hmm. song done the album title done do you know what their first tour was called i hope bad company probably i yeah. don't know <laughs> i hope that surely yeah why would you know that <laughs> bad company. I won't deny. Didn't you guys see the Gin Blossoms open for the Black Crows? No, we saw the Gin Blossoms on the Alternative Nation tour. Okay. And it was and you were just by the it? least alternative of possible lineups. Mainstream Nation. Yeah. The headliners were the Spin Doctors. <laughs> oh, okay. And this wasn't like Spin Doctors when they were still kind of like jammy and didn't hadn't sold 12 million records. This yeah. was like the newly anointed kings of pop. <laughs> pop rock. Pop rock. Mm-hmm. The Spin Doctors on the Alternative Nation tour. <laughs> Gin Blossoms were definitely had multiple like radio hits and singles under the belt, so they were the second yeah, yeah. up. Soul Asylum, who definitely is like, oh, so far we're just talking about famous early '90s bands. Yeah, very famous. Uh, and then Cracker, oh wow, uh, were on it, and uh, and then like the least popular, but still a popular band was Screaming Trees. And now they're all basically the same amount of fame, <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> And this is how pathetic it was, because we were such avid Spin Doctors fans. <laughs> not not because you you love Cracker, which no, would be cool. Which would be cool, and I love Cracker now. Yeah. I did, I guess, liked that song, but I didn't know how great David Lowry was yet. But because we were such huge fans of the Spin Doctors, I mm-hmm. mean, just massive. And we were old school. We liked them before they got famous and liked the uh, all their hippie noodly stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we had gotten front row tickets. Now, we didn't have to scalp these. This is just, you know, we went to the Sears and waited in line and somehow got front row tickets. <laughs> we had literal front row seats at that same amphitheater. Wow. There were 16,000 people behind us. Yeah, that's crazy. The front row. And we, like, we were, like, milling about at first, like, we're going to chill on the lawn or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then by the time the gym blossoms are really getting things heated up, we're like, oh, maybe we'll make our way down <laughs> like to the only front. they can. Yeah. <laughs> so we walk up to the front, and the singer is doing something that actually is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. He was using a Polaroid taking pictures of the audience, taking pictures of himself, and just throwing them to people. Like, hey, here's a souvenir. That is cool. This is pre-digital camera. Yeah. I mean, this is 93. It's like, hey, you want a souvenir from the evening? This is the only here's the way. way to get And you just photo. got it from the lead singer of the Gym Blossoms. Pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And Except instead, for the Gym Blossoms yeah, part. But yeah. instead, one of the photos fell at Peter's feet. Mm-hmm. And Peter just crossed his arms, grimaced, and just stared back at the guy and didn't pick it up. <laughs> We are front row at this guy's concert. That's pretty bad. He's just thrown down a thing like, hey, guys, you'll be into this. And instead, he just like basically gives them the thumbs down. That's even worse than the the admonishing father. Except it's worth noting, we are 14, maybe 15 at this point. Oh, gosh. And he just stands there, cross arm, like, yeah.
hammer home how like wrong we were to be standing up to the gin blossoms <laughs> because we were there standing for the spin doctors yeah who were essentially Awful. the exact same thing one just had guitar solos the other one did so we're acting too cool for school for the gin blossoms yeah because we're there for the spin doctors and at this point the spin doctors are the spin doctors you know from the radio they have both their hits under their belt they're riding high like this is the summer tour where they're selling out sheds you know the whole deal yeah so obviously all they're going to do is play all the songs you know as tight and as fast and as radio friendly as possible from that one record that everybody loves sure maybe one new thing that we're working on for this new record that's going to come out soon and maybe maybe one old song that you guys never heard that's kind of close to the other songs you do like. Because mm-hmm. we got to fill out 80 minutes or whatever. Yeah. But we were like 15. We don't know how this works. <laughs> and I remember having the longest, most serious conversation with Peter. So we were just livid <laughs> that all they were doing were playing these hits. <laughs> and that they weren't playing anything from their uh, live album that had come out that was recorded at Wetlands, which is like the hippie club in New York in the 90s when all those new bands were coming along. Oh, okay. And that was the one we were obsessed with. I mean, I listened to it a bazillion times. Really? I don't think I've ever heard of it. Yeah, and it's just all like Some, meandering yeah, kind of song, whatever. Yeah. But in my mind... <laughs> you were going to that show. I was going to that show. Yeah. Oh, my God, Peter, they're finally here. Mm-hmm. They've made it to our town, our humble little burg. Mm-hmm. It's just us and 16,000 other true believers. <laughs> and they're going to go play... Lady Kerosene, Freeway of the Plains, a 16-minute song mm-hmm. that owes so much more to the Allman Brothers than it does to the kind of vaguely jangly power pop yeah. toward the wet sprocket thing they were doing that made them do. famous. Yeah. That's what they're going to do. Yeah, as part of this nine-act festival. As part of this nine-act <laughs> festival sponsored by music television, <laughs> the most powerful cultural force in 1993. Yeah. It's time to jam. It's, it's time stretch to jam. Out, explore. They're going to explore, just like the records we love so much. Yeah. <laughs> so I was beside myself because mm-hmm. that's the whole reason we were we were shining on Grin and Jump Blossoms too. Is like, just, guys, just just, just wait. wait till the masters just wait come till out. the masters show up. <laughs> They'll show and you put these stuff. clowns in their place. <laughs> these guys are playing Hate Jealousy. <laughs> you get a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. I mean, can, can you, you believe, believe that? What a what a bunch of amateurs. <laughs> what a bunch of sellouts. <laughs> Instead of realizing that these people had all slaved and struggled, also these guys might have been twenty three years old. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah. Hey, jealousy. Those dudes might have been twenty-three years old, if yeah. a day. They're just thrilled that they're I'm out there rocking there. these faces. Sure. And 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 the spin doctors maybe twenty-four because they've been out a little bit longer. Like these are just kids. Oh yeah. And they're getting a taste of the good life. They can't even believe it. They would never occur to them in a million years <laughs> no. to go back and do the stuff they were doing at Wetlands in the club, right? No. Not. So we're having these we're having earnest conversations. All thing like, I mean, mm. I don't want to believe. You yeah. know, like we're just. Beside ourselves. And in this regard, we were punk rock fans. We just didn't do it right. Yeah, that's true. Like, we always believed in sellouts, all these different things. We were just listening to mainstream music, and we don't understand how it worked. And so... (laughs) very good point. It's a long story, but the punchline punchline is, the Spin Doctors, to their credit, we're still, like, a man-of-the-people type band. Mm -hmm. So we hung around, because, like, we've got to meet the band. Sure. And because we believe this will happen. Mm -hmm. I would never tell my kids today, it's like, we just don't hang around. They don't come out. They're just, they're gone before you know it. Mm -hmm. But I shit you not, after, like, half an hour... They all come out. Mm-hmm. And so we're talking to all of them. And so I get my shirt signed by all of them, a shirt I wore for years mm-hmm. to high school, just like, <laughs> jealous, you know, like, <laughs> and people are like starting to wear like Foo Fighters and shirts because like, you know, Cobain's died and we're moving on this whole thing. I'm like, yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> check out my Chris Barron autograph and all that stuff. But I, as God's my witness, <laughs> when I got a chance to talk to Chris Barron, a person that for some reason I held in high esteem. Yeah. The thing, and the only thing I said to him was like, <laughs> I swear, I was like, I, mean, I was really thinking we were getting a little Rosetta Stone tonight. 
Oh, man. I was like, I mean, you're awful. Do you guys like not want to play that kind of stuff for your fans? Because like, I mean, he spun it as well as he could. I was like, oh, yeah. it means so much. You love that, but like, you know, we're just really about the now, right now. We're so excited that millions of people are buying these records, <laughs> right? And that every single person in this arena just sang my song back to me. Yeah, we're more into that at the moment. Yeah, at the moment, we're kind of mm-hmm. into that. Yeah. And I'm sorry that these two floppy-haired dicks <laughs> in the front row with their arms crossed, yeah. like, studying our Mixolydian scales or whatever Peter was doing at the time, <laughs> like, we're disappointed we didn't play our 16-minute song from our live record. Yeah. But, I mean, my one chance to meet a guy that I thought was cool when I was 14, I took him to task for not doing the thing I thought he should do. guys were very good at getting in and discovering a band before anybody else knew about it. Yeah, we're pretty good at that. That ended up being a super lame band. <laughs> and like, and... And that went on for years. Yeah, and it wasn't that they... And I helped with that sometimes, no, true. too. It wasn't that their first records weren't also kind of lame, but they would definitely get way lamer. Dave uh, Matthews Band? Dave Matthews Band is exactly the same thing. Uh, and train, we did it. We train? absolutely. We were too old for that. Saw, yeah, we definitely should know better. But I remember proselytizing about train with people like these guys, and we were absolutely right. They were going to be huge. They became huge. Yeah. And then, but then, and then, what was so sad was oh. when their second record came out. We were way old enough to know better. I remember being so disappointed and having a real <laughs> earnest conversation <laughs> with Peter about like, I just can't believe they sold out like this. And going, what are we talking about? These guys were a corporate rock band from the, from the beginning. Get-go. They tricked us somehow. But that being said, like their first record, which I've not listened to in years and I have no reason to. Yeah. There's no doubt it definitely sounds better and more quote unquote authentic. Well, and especially if you know you see them for the, became slick the first time in some small bar somewhere. And they were a great and, live band. And they were a good live band. It's like seeing Hall and Oates before they were famous. You'd be like, you guys gotta check these guys out. Yeah. It just seems like, hey, this is raw gritty band. Yeah. But and it's the exact it, opposite. It's the exact opposite, but so many it's times. all about context. So many times. But Did so, you see they finally they they covered an entire Led Zeppelin album? Did they do that? Yeah. I think Long time Le- coming. I think that's what they did. It's either an album full of just Led Zeppelin covers, but I think it's just Led Zeppelin 2. Yeah, that's like the, Led Zeppelin didn't nail it the first time. Yeah, well, also who would want to hear that? Ramble on. Well, now the time, the time is now. Sing my song. I'm going round the world, gonna find my girl. I'm on my way. Ooh, I've been this way ten years to the day I'm gonna ramble on. I'm gonna find the queen of all my Do you remember at that same amphitheater, which is also where I saw Skinner three years in a row, but one of the bands we saw together at this amphitheater was, uh, well, we saw Wu-Tang, the Wu-Tang yep. Clan. There are a lot of people in Wu-Tang Clan. I'm not an expert. Yeah. I like them. And a couple of them I like more than others, but there are a lot of people in that group. But 
it wasn't just them. They had like a couple friends out so with many them. People I mean, this story. was just a huge stage, just full of people. And if I'm interject, they're opening for Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. So they're a support act. Now they're they're famous. Yeah, they're the opening act, but, but they're, they're famous. still a support act. Yeah, that's that's correct. And one of the people, so you got Wu Tang, you got a couple their friends, hangers on, a lot whatever of guys up have towels there. Over their shoulders. A lot of lot of towels, white towels around the shoulders. There aren't enough microphones for everybody on stage. In fact, there aren't even enough microphones for the the Wu Tang Clan proper members. That absolutely. But <laughs> in addition to all these men, there's a three four year old little boy up on the stage. Really? You don't remember this? I don't remember that. Three four a, years like old, like a toddler. Toddler, toddler on stage. Not enough mics. Like Red Man can't get a mic, but for at least one entire song, I think two. This little toddler held a mic. <laughs> he had a mic all to himself, and he would just occasionally just say "ea" or something like that into the microphone. Oh I mean, he's adorable. God. I loved watching him, but I felt like there were probably some better rappers on the stage. <laughs> could stand to be heard. At that point, Old Dirty Bastard probably was the inferior rapper. That's that. Could he was be definitely the case. in a bad way. That could be the case. But nevertheless, ODB. All right. pretty good seats to that we were we like i remember pretty vividly we were on the right side only maybe seven ten twelve rows deep it's like good, yeah, good seats do you remember the other crazy thing that happened that night i don't think so somebody throws some sort of lit something onto the stage oh that's right it was an explosive of some kind in truth it was likely just like a firecracker yes in my mind over the years it's definitely become a pipe bomb it was a pipe bomb but that being said it was forgot about because definitely security at a rage show, certainly in '97 when they were all the rage. <laughs> um, <laughs> they were definitely prepared for incidents. Mm-hmm. So I mean, like lightning response time, a stagehand came out, covered it in a blanket, and like disposed of it. Like they were I, on it. So they fast. were on it. I forgot about that because somebody threw something at Tomarello mm-hmm. that was partially on fire and ready to do whatever bad thing it was supposed to do. Do you think he was like trying to throw it like? On behalf of the band against, I think against the machine. Was, because there's almost no way. Like, he wasn't trying to hurt anybody. It wasn't, and I'm not trying to make light of anything. It, this was all pre-awful violence at concerts. Right, it wasn't. Other than, like, Altamont or something. Like, no one's trying to harm band members at this point. There's no, no Daryl. We were not worried about no, that at all. There's none of this Bataclan situation or this awful thing in Vegas where it's like, yeah, yeah. the performers are now tar- Like, none of that's happened. No, none of that's happened. So it never occurred to me then or since that, no. like, he was trying to harm his beloved band. You're exactly right. I think... This is a severely confused individual who thought, you know what these guys need? Yeah. They didn't know solidarity. I'm here to blow shit up. You right. Know, they need like, no, no, this is, we're here. Yeah. They need You're going to blow us up. To add to the bedlam somehow. Yeah, exactly. That'll make That's it That's what he was thinking, I'm sure. I'm sure. But so I remember like being spooked, obviously. Yeah. But then also knowing, I'm no physicist, but being able to tell the trajectory of that <laughs> item. Yeah. This thing came from very close to where we were sitting. Oh, standing. Yeah. I mean, I just knew instantly. I was like, uh, that person is either directly behind me are like just a little bit behind me and to the right. Like, mm-hmm. this isn't like 10 rows back. The person behind me did this. Yeah. And so we're all rocking out, but I'm also like, oh, shit. Like, is this person going to pull a knife? Like, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, yeah. we've had no violent altercations in our life. This is the scariest thing that's happened to me in our <laughs> sheltered existence. Yeah. So it doesn't take long before security is doing that whole thing where they're communicating with each other with flashlights, like, uh-huh. you know, and they're letting yeah. people know. And so the guy who's security is on stage is flashing over to the guy that's in our section being like, hey, hey, 
it's your boy, somebody yep. over there. If you don't remember this, then maybe you didn't do it. But I, whoever else we were with, I know Peter was there, my brother was there. But I know for a fact I did this, and I like to believe other people did it too. I was definitely doing a little subtle uh-huh. behind, <laughs> me, behind me, guys. Like I was pointing well, behind me. I think that's like fair out in a situation sure. like that. When the ruckus comes this way, and I see security making their way through people, and like other this people and other people are kind of making it clear, like, oh, it's such and such. I turn around, and I shit you not, this guy was like 4'8". <laughs> he had like the kind of mustache that you get when you obviously can't get a mustache. Mm-hmm. He had fingerless black bicycle gloves on. Oh, wow. And he looked exactly like an ugly Michael J. Fox. <laughs> like, he was the least threatening human being I've I, ever yeah. seen in my life. I remember, I remember this like, now. Man, if only we had known how small he was, it could have been our one chance to be heroes. Yeah. Because you're right, he might have had a knife. We could have like overpowered him. We, we could have overpowered him if we had just... All four of us. Yeah, it would take a four. tiny of us, bodies. Exactly. But if we just pounced on him all at the same time, he, even if he, he had, had another pipe bomb in his back pocket, we could have taken him down. Yeah, and we'd probably been in the newspaper or something. Yeah, I've been like four valiant four, young men. Yeah, save you know? yeah. save rage against the machine. Yeah, yeah, or, or, or more accurately, been like four eleven-year-olds <laughs> right. tackle nine-year-old question mark because like it definitely <laughs> that's what it would look like. Yeah, this right. dude. Mm-hmm. I just remember like. It's probably yeah. a stink bomb he threw on stage. Exactly. It's one of those things that was, pure, I'm sure. Maybe it was a microphone. Bomb. Maybe he was trying to help. <laughs> He's throwing him a, a spare. He had, it, say, it took him that long to yeah. get the, his hands on a mic. Yeah. And then he threw it up stage. But yeah. Wu-Tang was already gone. He was so stoned he didn't realize. I've had this mic this whole time. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. You, you could have used this. Go into that amphitheater. You'd often, you'd, you'd be next to colorful characters. Yeah, it's a, a melting pot. And we went to see Poison. I guess this was probably their, what their first reunion tour. First reunion tour. So we're very excited because you know we love we love some of that stuff. This is like ninety seven, ninety eight. And so, and maybe it's a point where it's a little bit ironic, but yeah. but we liked Poison. You know, we were happy to be there. They for meant sure. a lot to us when we were kids. Yeah. And now we're young adults. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're like straddling our, the line between nostalgia and irony. Yeah, and it's our first time to uh, to see them live, so we're we're all very excited. And apparently, we're not the only ones because this this place is going nuts. And Poison, they're playing all the hits, and that's all anybody wanted. We didn't want to hear their Rosetta Stone or this whatever. This place it might went be. crazy. The place was going nuts, and they had a lot of hits. Turns yeah, out they didn't even play Stand. That's how true they were. That's true to the original Poison sound. They were just doing it, and one of the most exciting moments of the show. Everybody's going nuts, and we, we see people all around us. You're you know you're holding your beer up, all of that. But the best thing we saw that night was a guy who was raising a beer in one hand, and in the other hand, he had removed his prosthetic leg and shoved it up into the sky. So he has his fake leg, which he is pumping, pumping. up in the air in rhythm with poison. It was incredible. This is the best thing I've ever seen. That is how you rock out at a poison show. You take your fake leg off, throw it in the air, and you just, you just let it fly. thing is that's happened more than once probably like if brett michaels oh, said hey yeah. do you remember that time yeah he'd be like oh yeah that happens like every 10th show yeah mm-hmm. exactly it's like yeah what color prospect leg was it <laughs> like it one of the funny new ones where like it's green for some reason because the guy's just like hey man i've got no shame I'll yeah, I'll show I it care. Off. yeah or is it one that kind of blends in like, <laughs> ah, i don't know man yeah. yeah that was amazing god that was amazing god bless you thank you very much what do you say we do this again one more time next summer, all right? Amphitheater stories. Amphitheater tales. Pretty great. Tales from the epic. I can even think of more, but I think that's enough. Yeah, that's pretty good. Cool.